You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. We're pleased this morning to have a recent graduate from North Point Bible College. That's where I graduated from before it was North Point. And uh, so we have a a friend with us today that is uh, preparing to go to Indonesia as a missionary associate. He has an amazing story as well um, as coming off of being a uh, refugee from Somalia, coming to the States, going to Bible college, and uh, becoming a uh, missionary for the gospel. And maybe sometime he'll tell you that story. But to introduce him today, I'm going to have his roommate from Bible college come up and introduce him, and that's Alan Wells. So, Alan, will you come and introduce Thierry today? I'm so proud of uh, Thierry Mugabe. People pronounce, mispronounce his name all the time, Thierry Mugabe. But uh, I'm just so proud of you. Um, so he's come a long way, as, as Pastor Dan said. He was a refugee, and he's come to, by the grace of God, to America and studied all throughout Bible college. And I've just seen God work in you so much. You've, you've gone from little to much, and God's just been exalting you here and there. And it's crazy that here's a humble man who is just, God's just exalting him. I just see him just moving up in, in places. And here he was, uh, a refugee, now he's going overseas to preach the gospel. And if there's anyone who's, who has a heart for God, it's Thierry Mugabe. This guy, he's just so humble. And so let's welcome him. Give a warm welcome. Thank you, Thierry. Love you, man. It is a really a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you, Pastor Dan, for having me. Um, and Alan was my roommate. He was my only college roommate. I never had two, just one. Was it a year and a half or so? Yeah, and then, and then since then, after Alan, you can't have any other. He's, he's the best out there. <laughs> yeah, so as I said, my name is Thierry Mugabe. And, uh, you know, people have a lot of things that they know me about you know i lived in a refugee camp it's kind of an interesting story and all of that but man all i tried to, to all that is good and i thank god for everything but all i want to be known for is for that i love god and i serve him and i give everything that i am amen and i hope that's that's all that you are i know all of all of us every one of us in this room we have a story we have we have a background. We have everything. You know, you're not just here. Somehow you, you ended up here. And all of that is a story. But the best of the stories come when you meet Jesus. When I met Jesus, everything changed. You know, let, let me read a few songs, uh, relics of the songs that just hear this. This is an old hymn. You probably know it or you don't. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the, on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Here's another one. This is probably newer. You know it. I will never forget the moment I met you, the moment you called my name. You pulled me out of the, you pulled me out of the darkness and gave me a promise 
to never thirst again. All that I ever wanted, my heart has found in you. I have tested life and nothing satisfies like you do. The fount that won't run dry, nothing satisfies like Jesus does. Amen. Here's one more song. There I was, empty-handed, crying out in the deep of my despair. There you were in the shadows, holding my hand. You met me there. And now where would I be without you, Jesus? Where would I be without you? You were the voice in the desert calling me out in the dead of night, fighting my battles for me. You were my rescue story. Lift me out of the ashes, carried my soul from death to life. Bring me from glory to glory. You are my rescue story. Amen. I'll give you one more. Oh, probably more than one. I didn't even know I could be loved like this. It makes me want to stand on the mountaintops and scream. Oh, I will give it all for the gospel because he gave it all for me. In all the AJWM themes of the years, this one, it kind of, it's touching me really good. All for Jesus. Amen. All. All means nothing left. It's all for Jesus. All you got. All your life. All your experience. All your uh, money. All your um, education. Everything you got. All your family. All your kids. All your parents. All for Jesus. And in this song, the singer was saying, I would give it all for the gospel because he gave it all for me. It's impossible to give it all if in human nature, the way we are made is you, we are made to exchange. For example, if, you go to, if I tell you that, you know, these shoes are kind of nice, but if I tell you that I bought them for like $1,000, you'll be like, oh, man, they're nice, but not that nice, you know? And I, I agree. In a way, like everything we do, even going to the store, whatever you buy, it's an exchange. You make an exchange. You're willing to give $1,000 for something that is worth $1,000. Amen. But you're not willing to give $1,000 for something that is worth less. And then a deal, what we call a good deal is when you spend $1,000 for something that would cost Thousands and thousands of dollars. That's called a good deal. All for Jesus. There's, I didn't, I didn't prepare this one, but there's a parable in the Gospel of Luke. It says that the kingdom of God is like a person who went into the field, and as he was in the field, he found a great, a pearl of a great price. He went back home. He sold everything he's got so he could buy that field. And Jesus said, that's how the kingdom of God is like. And that is true in our lives. When we find Jesus, I'm going to tell you my story a little bit. When we find Jesus, when I found Jesus, I was like, this is it. I didn't have much, but I was willing to give whatever I will get or whatever I will ever be able to own just so I could gain Jesus. Amen. And that's to, today. My prayer is after this service is done, at least you will have a glimpse of how 
much of the great treasure, Jesus says, to a point where you will be willing to give it all for him, even lose your own life for him, because he is that great and that worth for you and for me. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you're in this place. Thank you for a great time of worship that we had. And thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, I pray that everyone here, they will be, they will be touched. They will see the worth of Jesus. They will see the worth of your name. And Lord, they will be willing to give it all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a song that I like. You could tell that I like songs. Uh, it, it says, Jesus, the lover of my soul. It goes like this. Jesus, the lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. You've taken me from the miry clay. You set my feet upon the rock. And now I know I love you. And I need you. And though my heart may fall, I'll never let you go. Man, I love Jesus. I do. It's been, it's been 10 years since I got saved. I grew up in a Catholic home. And uh, I was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I was about a baby, and then there was war. It was a genocide. If you're familiar with the Rwandan genocide, it happened in 1994. I was a baby. So we, we moved to Rwanda, and then we lived in a refugee camp from that time until in 2013, November. It's going to be eight years ago this month. And then we moved here to the States. So that's how I ended up here. But when I was... In high school, I met, I went to this school, and then I was Catholic. My mom raised us to go Catholic. I, we were faithful. I wasn't the bad kid. I wasn't the good one. I was right, in, like, in the middle, like all of you guys. And, uh, but I was a faithful Catholic. I thought I, I loved God the way I knew him, whatever. I went to church. I was an altar boy. I, I did all that, you know, a, a, a kid, a good Catholic can do. I can see an altar boy back there. <laughs> and, and, and then when I went to high school, and when you become a teenager, like you, you, everything about you changes. Your physicality changes. You start thinking differently. Sometimes you, you know, don't like things your parents tell you because you, you're changing. So that's part of the idea. But I, I moved away from my home, and then I went to this high school. And there, one of my classmates, I was kind of small. Like, I'd never been bigger than I am today, but I was, you know, even shorter. So that's pretty small. And there was this kid who was kind of my size. He was in my class. His name is Alex. But Alex was like nobody I've ever met in my life. Alex was the most joyful person I've ever met up to that point. Alex was kind to everybody. He loved people. And people liked him. And he liked everybody. Everybody got along with Alex. And I liked to be around him. You know, we would watch sports together, talk different things. And he was just an awesome person to be around. But every time I had a conversation with him, talk different things, school, whatever, he, somehow he ended up telling me about Jesus. He's like, oh, so 
what do you know about Jesus? He asked me these questions. How, so I, I, was, I grew up Catholic. I knew quite a, you know, most of the stories of, about Jesus. But it, <clears throat> Alex would ask me, he's like, so why do you think Jesus died on a cross? Well, I knew he died on a cross, but I didn't know why. So, you know, this is in high school. You, you don't want to be, you know, the kid who knew nothing. So I'll try to master answers, and I'll give it to him, and I'll just go. But, you know, he, he wasn't like the preachy kid or the, you know, he was just, he just, his life was different. And this went on for months, but every single time we'll have a conversation, he'll ask me about what I believe, you know. Why do you guys pray to Mary? Well, I, I did, but I didn't know why. But, but I wouldn't admit, so I would kind of give him answers and, you know. But every time that would happen, I, I would be by myself. And then these questions that he asked me will start coming back to my mind. I'm like, well, I don't know why. Why did he die on a cross? I mean, Every question he asks, why do we pray to marry you? And then these questions for over months, man, I didn't have answers. But Alex was kind. He wasn't trying to pin me with his questions. One Saturday night, I'm, I'm sitting by myself. I'm just thinking about myself and how, like, what the future holds for me. And I couldn't see anything. You know, I live in a refugee camp. It's a, it's a really bad life. You barely have anything to eat. And, I'm thinking, so if I graduate high school, even if I, because we, we pay there, and my mom was working as a custodian to pay for my school. And it wasn't good enough, so she was struggling to pay for me, and it wasn't even enough, and I felt bad. And I'm thinking, what am I going to be uh, after graduate? What am I going to do? And, and kind of depressing, because I can't see a future. In Rwanda, refugees don't get jobs. And I just... It was just hopeless. And I'm thinking, man, my mom is struggling. I knew my family were 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 skipping days without food so they could pay for my school. And I'm thinking, man, life is really, really, this is only a beginning. It's going to get worse. And I'm thinking, man, I would rather die than just living the rest of my life like this. And and I, I was like, you know, actually, death is better. You get away from all of this, and you're free. But as a good Catholic, I know when you die, there's only two places. There is a heaven, and there is a hell. And this is in my mind. I'm thinking, so where am I going to go? Like, all of you, at some point, you've thought about it. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'll end up in heaven. Somehow, God is going to find out. He's good, you know. I'm going to end up in heaven. I'm probably not the best person or the worst. and I'm somewhere. I will end up in heaven. That's what I was telling myself. But, well, it was serious. I knew death is better than life for me. I wanted to die, but I wanted to know for sure where I'm going to end up. And I'm debating, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven, but, but how about this? But no, but God is... So I'm debating in my head, trying to put myself in heaven, but I'm kind of debating, and I'm, this is in my mind, just a thought dropped in my head about Alex. Without a shadow of a doubt, I knew whenever, whatever happens to Alex, if he dies today or tomorrow or 10 years or 20 or 100 years, Alex is going to heaven. Nobody told me this, but I just knew the, the way his life, the way he treats people, the way he is. 
Alex is the kind of people that is going to heaven. And other people who live like him, those are the ones that are going to heaven. And I knew I was not one of them. And I was kind of really terrified. I was scared. I knew I was going to hell. Not because I'm a really huge bad person, but because I've seen someone who's different. And then that's when I ended up, that I cried out to God that night. I got up from where I was sitting. I just cried out to God. God, whatever you do, please save my life. Save my soul that I may not end up there. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. You are God. You can kill me. You can do whatever you want with me. But whatever you want to do, please save me. I will do whatever you want. I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. And I just cried out to God. That was a Saturday. When I woke up the next morning, I was a new person. I was a new man. It felt like you guys, if you guys play instruments, you know, you know when you hear someone who don't play instruments and they play, try to play keyboard, it really sounds bad. But when someone like the worship leader, you know, they, it's tuned. Everything is just awesome. When I woke up that morning, that's how everything in me felt. It felt it was tuned. It felt like my ears were tuned. My eyes could see better. My f- I just, something was different. And I knew God has done something in me. Not because I've done anything. Just God has had hard mercy on me. He saved me. And that day, it was in September, uh, October in 2011, I've never been the same. Jesus became the Lord of my life. If I received peace for the first time in my life. If you've never been born again, you don't know what peace is like. You have no idea. And that peace came to me. If you've never been born again, there is no way I can describe that to you. Because you become a new creature. You really do. And you know it. And since that day, I've been born again. And I know it. Not because of anything that I've done. But because Jesus has saved me. Amen. And everything from that day on changed. It was a few months later. I was praying. My senior year of high school. I just, I was, I was in, I wanted to pursue God. I wanted everything. If he gives me this peace, then I, I want to give it whatever I have. So I was praying for my family and fasting that I skipped lunch to pray for my family. And so I, I just interceding for my family. God, they live in the refugee camp. We, we would you, you are God. You can do anything. You can take a mountain and then put it somewhere. Or you, you, you just created the world with your words. You absolutely can do anything. You're God. So you can, it sounds really easy for you to like provide for my family. So they have enough food, enough clothes. And when I got up, I was kneeling down. I still remember where I was kneeling at my high school behind the classrooms. When I got up from there, I just had a sense that God heard my prayers. I knew he heard my, I didn't know how, but I knew just God heard my prayers. And I I had a confidence that God really, he hears prayers. And man, it was a year later that my family were asked by the UN, they have a branch called UNHCR, that we went, they called us to their office and we went there. They're like, well, we, we want to send like a few families to the U.S. to be resettled there. If you guys are interested, we can start the paperwork. And then we came later. And that's how God answered our prayer. Since then, my family's never lacked food or drink or they have jobs. They have a place to stay. They're pro- 
Because God hears prayers. You know, the Bible says, Luke 19.10, For the Son of God, Son of Man, which is Jesus, He came to seek and to save people that are lost. Amen. He saved me. Not only did He save me spiritually, He heard the prayers of my family. And since I got saved, I say to the Lord, I will give it all for you. I will go whatever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. Like this scripture. All for Jesus. And even to this day, something that I haven't given to Jesus is because I don't know it. When I found out that I have something that I haven't given to Jesus, that would be the day I give it to Jesus. And that is the, that is the only hope I'm giving to you. Many of you have your lives. And nobody, I don't know your life. Only you know your life. Some of you have s- things you're struggling with. Maybe your families are not getting along. Or you have these financial problems. Or who knows what. But let me tell you something. There is a secret. It may sound unrelated. But if you would give all of your life to Jesus. All of it. I'm not just talking to people who are not saved. Even if you've been saved all your life. If you would give everything for Jesus today. All that I have. All that I am. I'm giving all to Jesus. I am not going to tell you that your problems will go away. But man, you will rise above your, your, your problems. You will stay. They will not bother you anymore. They would not. I, when I got saved, I still lived in a refugee camp for another year and a half or two. And I was content. I didn't really too excited that I was going to the U.S. No, I, I just had Jesus. I had Jesus. And you could tell me, you, I could go back, live there right now, and I'll be content because I have Jesus. Once you've given him all of it, riches, poverty, they make no difference. They're same. You remember the scripture, very famous scripture, I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. You know the previous scripture, it says, it says, for I know how to have abundance and I know how to have nothing. I can live with America and I can live with a refugee camp. And I would never change me. I would absolutely be the same. I would still raise my hands in worship. I would still give whatever I got to Jesus. And the great temptation of many of us is not is the struggle of our lives is really the struggle to surrender. To surrender everything that we have. But the day you surrender everything to Jesus is the day you find peace. Is the day you find joy. You know, God used that story when I came to North Point. I was a student, and I heard people talk about unreached people groups. And uh, unreached people groups are the people in different parts of the world where they have no chance of hearing the gospel because no Christians live in there, no churches, no Bibles. They, They follow other religion. They've never heard who Jesus is. And most likely they would die and they were perished because how can they be saved if no one tells them the good news? So those unreached, and 
these missionaries, they would come every once in a while in our chapels and they would talk about and reach people. They were like, this is, a, this is the heart. God wants people to be saved. I knew that. But there's places where the gospel has not reached. How can people be saved if no one tells them about Jesus? Well, the answer is no. There's no way. And then these missionaries are challenging. But you can go. You can give your life. You can go there when nobody wants to go and give your life and Maybe one person, two, a hundred, a thousand, thousands will hear the gospel from your lips and they will be saved. Man, I never pictured myself as a missionary. You know, I'm from Africa. I thought, growing up, I thought missionaries, you have to be white, you have to be a guy, and you have to be from America and you have to go somewhere. <laughs> I was none of that. And then as a student, I'm, I'm like, well, I really struggled with it because I'm like, I'm from Africa. I am not a missionary. But I'm thinking, well, it's as God was kind of challenging me in a way in my thinking. He's like, well, you don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to carry the title. Just there are people who need to hear about Jesus. And you know Jesus. He's changed your life. You walk with him. You can go there and tell them about Jesus. Well, don't be a missionary. Just tell them about Jesus. They need Jesus. And I was like, whoa, I, I qualify. I do, I really do qualify. I can do, I've met Jesus. I, I have. I am saved. I have peace with God. There's no condemnation to me because I'm in Christ Jesus. My sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. He gave himself for me. And now the challenge of my life is, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to go sleep and just find the best high-paying job I can find. Not that it's a bad thing, but as for me, I felt, no, God is challenging me to go there. I know not everybody can be a missionary. Of course not. Well, because I need people to give me some money to go there, you know. <laughs> How am I going to take a plane? And, you have, and those people, they work. And I'm thinking, but the, the diff, it's not what you do, it's why do you do what you do? And do you do that for yourself or do you do it for Jesus? Is your money yours or is it Jesus? Is your life yours or is it for Jesus? Is your family yours or is it for Jesus? Are your kids yours or are they or do they belong to Jesus? Because the, the scary fact is everything you own or everything you will ever own from material, from family members, from everything you've got, even your health, can, can go just like this. Absolutely. And then when you have lived all your life to treasure something, let's say like your health or your family or your bank account, and then you lose it like this, then you become bitter to God. But in the first place, it don't even belong to you in the first place. It belongs to him. When, when Job, everything was taken from him, do you know what he said? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gave and he's taken away. So everything you have, your health, the breath that you breathe, the home you got, the car, the simplest of the things that you've got, they all belong to Jesus. They absolutely belong to Jesus. First Corinthians 
11, verse 36, he says this. For him are all things. Through him are all things. And from him are all things. When he says all things, it means all things. That includes you. You belong to him. This is, this is what the Bible says. Psalm 139, it says, Every day of your life has been written in a book. And in Ecclesiastes says, He has set a day to be born and a day to die. So we're all alive here in this room. But the span of your life, you cannot change. God has set it up before you were born. He set the, the day you will be born, your birthday, God, he was the one who set it up before you were born. And the, and the same day, he set the day you will die. So which means we are living in the middle, and we cannot change the day we were born just as much we cannot change the day we're going to leave this earth. So it, it really don't belong to us. It really don't. And, and Jesus being Jesus... God being good, he say this, well, I've given you everything, even your breath. Even the sun in the morning, it shines on you, even if you're a sinner, even if you're living a life that you want. Everything you have from your health, from your family, think about this. I was born in Africa. Anybody else was born in Africa? No. You guys were born in America. Anybody who was born not in America? I see. And so this is a fact. The, the place where you were born, God chose it. You didn't. Look at your parents. You did not choose them. God chose them for you. I don't know if you like him or not, but that's beside the fact. He chose them for you. Like you have no choice. That's the way he does things. Look, the color of your skin like, you didn't choose it. I didn't choose it. So it, it really don't belong to me. Like, he gave it to me. I cannot change it. Well, you can try, but it's a bad idea. <laughs> it, it really is. So, but, you, you know, the skin of your color. God g- determined that he's going to give it to you. You didn't choose. How tall are you? How much did you choose of that? What did you do to be that tall or to be the height you are? No, God chose it. He said every bit of your life, the color of your hair, if you have some. Mine is gone. <laughs> you, everything about you, God chose it. And he gave it to you. And, and this is the gospel. So everything you have, even the biggest things that you don't even think about, they all belong to him. For from him are all things. Through him are all things. And for him are all things. For him. Everything you have, it's for him are all things, including your life. So this is the gospel. The gospel is this. Jesus gives an invitation. He says this. I've given you all of your life. Everything you have, everything you ever have, the span of your life, the generation you will be born from, all I've given it to you. And now, I want you, by you willingly, to give everything back to me. Absolutely everything. That's the gospel. 
say, I've given you absolutely everything. And now you have a choice. Give me back everything that I've given you. But here is a catch. You can choose not to give him anything. You can choose him to give one thing. Or you can be like, no, you gave me everything. Of course you did. You know, I would die. Everything I have, you have given it to me. But I'm, I'm going to use it the way I want. And God will be like, oh, that's fine too. Do whatever you want. You know, every, everything has consequences. If you give your life to Jesus, there's consequences for that. There are good consequences. If you decide to say, no, um, you've given me everything, I have it, but I'm going to use it the way I want. And my money is mine, my health is mine, my family is mine, my skin color is mine. You know, you've given them to me. So I'm going to leave the way, I, I, I'm going to find a way to live the way I want. God accepts that. He's going to accept that. But the consequence, there will be a day. After we're all gone, there's a day when Jesus Christ is coming back. And then every one of us is going, your turn is going to come, and you'll stand before him. And he's going to ask you about everything that he's given to you. If you've been a good steward, you've given him back everything, he'll be like, go on my right hand. If you've managed your life, you've heard the gospel, God wants everything back, including you. That's life. When God created us, he created us to have a relationship with him. Not that we live independent lives. Why? That's the idea of love. Think about it. If you're a parent, you probably understand it better. You know, you, you probably got married and then you're thinking with your spouse, hey, let's have a baby. But think about it. Like when, you, when, you, when you're a couple, you don't have kids, life gets kind of easy. But, but all families, most of families, they want kids. Why? These kids, when they come, they're going to cost you a lot of money, time, sleep. They're kind of obnoxious. They may not like you. You know, they, they come, but yeah, you want them too. All you hope for is like you give them your everything and you hope once they have a conscience, they're going to love you back. That's all. They're going to respect you, live life with you, you know, love you. You don't want anything from them necessarily. You just want your love to be to them and their love to come to you. That's the greatest reward of a parent. That's just the idea of God. When he created us, he absolutely needed nothing from us. Nothing. When he's asking you to give, to give him everything, he's not in need of anything. All he wants is you. Is you. When, he, when a kid grows up and he becomes, you know, he thinks he, he knows a lot. He's a teenager or something. And then he's like, you know, I'm going to run away from my family. I don't screw my parents. He's called a protocol son. Because how would you like that as a parent? You don't, you don't really want anything from him. All you want is them to be around, to be loved by you, and for them to love you back. That's it. But they can choose not to. Same thing with God. We can choose not to love him. But there is... That's life, and then we become protocols. So this is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is go into all the world. Tell them of the love of love them. God made himself a human being, and that is Jesus. When you see Jesus, 
in the gospel, when you read about Jesus in the Bible, he's nothing more than God himself, the creator of everything, who simplified himself to be a human being. And then, so he could give his life to the people that he loves, that he wants nothing from them, but yet everything, he wants their love. And the gospel is your response to, love, to the love of God that he loves you. And that is what I'm telling you this morning. This is the re- only reason I'm going to Indonesia. It's because I know God loves Indonesian. I do. He died for them. And all he wants from them is to hear of the love for them and for them to decide, well, I'm going to love God back. I'm going to give him everything I have. You know, a good kid in a family, he's not the kid who, is, who just stays home every day. Who don't think, who asks my parents, what should I do today? No, he's a kid who participates in his family as if he belongs there. That's all God wants. He doesn't, he doesn't need your money, your life, your worship, your praise. He doesn't need all. He can live absolutely without that. All he wants is a relationship with you, with you to love you and for you to love him. That's true worship. Your money, your devotion, your job, your everything, it's just things. He wants those things because where your heart is, is where your things, your heart follows where your stuff are. Your money, your health, where your health is, is where you're going to go. Where your money is, is where your heart is going to go. So God wants all of everything you have, your tithe, your offerings, your kids, to, to kneel down in prayer and say, God, you know, my life does not belong to me. Everything belongs to you. Whether much or, or less, everything belongs to you. So I give myself to you. Then your heart goes to God. That's how life works. And I'm telling you, you have nothing to regret in life. Because Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. He gave it all for me. He gave it all for you. Think about it. My sermon was going to be, I don't really title my, my sermons, but it was going to be this. God is a man. Jesus. When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read about Jesus, the things that he did, it's not more than a God, the God, who became a person. He looked like a person. And they, no wonder when he touched eyes of blind people, they could see. Because he's God. He created them anyway. There's nothing impossible with Jesus. Everything he touched had purpose. He touched the cripples. They walked. It's not really extraordinary if you think about it. He's God. He's just in a human form. And then if you read the Gospel of John or 1st John, you realize John, especially the first chapters, John chapter 1 and 1st John chapter 1, it's, when I read it, I feel like John is freaked out. He's thinking, I lived with this man for three and a half years and I didn't know that he was God. And after Jesus went to heaven, that's when John realized, whoa, this was God. He was my friend for three years and a half, and I had no idea. But now I know I got to tell everybody that the one who my eyes has seen, my hands has touched with shared food and everything, he's God. And whoever receives him receives life. Amen. And that's the life I'm giving you today. 
Because God is a man. He doesn't want you to, to, to seek him and climb the ladder to heaven. You cannot do that. He's come down here. And that is Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Amen? I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our head and just honor God and honor Jesus coming into a human body. Lord, we thank you this morning that your love has made you simplify yourself to become a human being. You allow the people you created to crucify you on the cross so that your blood can wash the sins of the people, those that choose you, Lord. I pray that that reality will become in our hearts and the hearts of everyone who's here who heard what I said, Lord. I pray that, Lord, you will soften every heart to see how things that we have in this life, they're fragile. They are absolutely nothing. They're ashes compared to you. You give them and you take them away. And they're going to go away anyway. We, when we die, we're not taking anything. I pray that every person, every heart in this room will realize that we absolutely own nothing. That you are the greatest treasure that we need in our lives. You're the one who brings true purpose for this life that we have here. You're the one who selected that we, we be alive in 2021. Lord, I pray that you soften every heart. That, Lord, you cause hearts to give all for Jesus. All for Jesus, Lord. Call people to you, to serve you, to give you their time, to give you their families, to give you their everything, to give you their health, to give you their their, their properties, to give everything to you. I pray that everyone in this room, Lord, would not cling to anything. They will cling to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that those who are here who may not have surrendered their lives to you, I pray that this is the day of salvation, that this is the day they surrender their lives to you. That they stop doing their own thing. They realize, Lord, I pray that you help them realize that how life is absolutely useless when you're doing your own thing. But it's very purposeful and joyful when we follow you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your grace, Jesus. Now, if there is someone in this room as we are praying and our heads bowed, if you are here in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never been saved, I say this in love, please raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Raise your hand high. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that your grace be upon us, that we realize that everything we own is yours. The missions and becoming missionaries, that we can be missionaries here in our home. We can start in our homes with praying every day, with praying with our families for a few minutes, reading our Bibles, honoring you, putting you first, seeking to know more of you. I pray the Lord, um, everyone here will cling to you. And then when you come back, we will be waiting for you, rejoicing and not in shame. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Pastor Dan and everyone here. Bless this place, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.